I want to thank you for joining us today on the Teen Challenge of Southern California podcast. If you didn't know, we have a 24-7 prayer hotline. It's staffed by Teen Challenge staff members who are ready to pray with you anytime, anywhere. Call us today at 888-520-0620. And if you know someone who is struggling with addiction and needs to come into our program, you can refer them to this same number, 888-520-0620, and we can help them begin their new life. You better get ready for the next series we're starting in our podcast. We just got done with our annual Spiritual Emphasis event. Boy, was it miraculous. It was hosted at our newest campus, Central Valley Teen Challenge. This campus just opened in 2015, and if you haven't been there, you're missing out. This campus was miraculously prepared by God for Teen Challenge. It's beautiful, it's spacious, it can house up to 140 men. Back with us again today is our good friend, Pastor Nate Franklin from Cornerstone Church in Fresno. Listen in as he shares at Spiritual Emphasis 2021. If you haven't had the chance, please subscribe to our podcast channel today. You'll be notified every time a new episode comes out, and it's a way for us to stay in touch during these difficult times. God bless you today, my friends. Man, my name is Nate, and I'm just glad to be here. Um, I, I was excited to get this opportunity to be with you um, because I think we're one and the same. I don't have your story. You don't have my story. But what I do understand is that each and every one of us have a story. Have a story where God stepped into our place, stepped into our space. We didn't step into God's space. God stepped into our space. And we ended up right where we are right now because of what God did on our life. Because where God intervened when we didn't want it, when we didn't think we needed it. And so that's what I mean. We're in the same space today. And because of that, I think God's got a word for us today. And I know you probably heard that over every other speaker that's been up here. And that's amazing that God has positioned powerful men and women to come and stand and speak to you. But I think I got a word for this afternoon. Can we get there? Can we just get right there? Cool. Okay, so this last weekend, in the heat of the summer, in the heat of the weekend, I was hanging out with my niece and my nephew, two and three years old, and we were doing what some of you don't have the opportunity to do unless they let you to go over to the river. We were out in the water. because It's the only smart place to be when it's 111 degrees in, the central, in central California, right? I was out in the pool, but I was out with my two-year-old and my three-year-old niece and nephew. And I'm not a dad. I'm not. I'm just an uncle. I try to be a good one. But there were some moments that I wish I was their dad. Because they just started letting everybody else know when they didn't like what was going on. You ever been around a kid like that? And I'm not talking about your kid. We're talking about somebody else's kid. But you know, they just start going, ah! They just start screaming. And you're like, can you just calm down for just a moment? And they're like, no, I'm not coming down. I want that. I don't want to be in the water. I want to be in the water. They can't make up their mind on what they want. But what you do understand is that they've taken their octave level to a different, different decibel. They've gone from having calm, cool conversations as a two and a three-year-old to letting everybody else know that something's wrong. Right? And there were moments when I'm glad I'm not their parents because I'm like, it's not my kid. Not my kid. You got to deal with that. Not my kid. We've all been around kids that just raise their voice to let everybody else know when something's wrong. Today, I want to tell you about a story of a man or a group of men that raised their voice at Jesus. Because I think it's time for us as men 
to stop letting culture dictate when we raise our voice. And what I mean by that is, is we, have, uh, we, have, we have believed, we have made the status quo acceptable that we as men only raise our voice when things are wrong. You know, she's told everybody that you raise your voice when you're angry. Like, well, that's just a man. Or when you're upset and you're, you're arguing with somebody, our, our, our decibel levels get a little bit higher and we start, we start deepening our voice and we raise our, we only are okay raising our voice when something's wrong that we can't control. But I'm going to tell you today about a group of men that raised their voice yeah, when things were out of control, but they found somebody that could control something. Luke chapter, Luke chapter 17, if you've got your Bible, if not, it's cool. I'll talk you through the story. But if you've got it, turn to it. Luke chapter 17. Luke 17 verse um, 11 tells us this. Luke 17, 11 tells us, when traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. Luke 17, 11, and he being Jesus. When, when tra while traveling to Jerusalem, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, 10 men with leprosy met him. 10 men. Now, here, let me, let me fill you in a little bit, and you've probably heard this before, but when you would go to a city, before you got to a city, you got to an outside community. And this outside community was a group of people that were unwelcomed in the city. They were people, not just lepers, but people that their lives were so broken that it was visible to other people. And it was visible in such a way that it would bother other people's um, rhythm of life, and so they, they sent them to the outside, uh, outside of the city. These were lepers that had skin disease that people could see that there's an external problem. And so because they had an external problem, people positioned them outside of the city. And the law was that until you got your problem fixed, you can't come back in the city. And the only way that we know that you've got your problem fixed is if somebody validates that your problem is fixed. That you can go to somebody that can, that can qualify whether you're, you're past your problem or not. These men, these ten men that were lepers, were a part of a community of men that were sent outside of the city to deal with their problem. Am I talking to anybody today that feels like they've been sent outside of the city? That nobody in your life wants you anymore because you've got a problem that bothers their rhythm of life. That nobody in your life wants to deal with you because you've you, your problem supersedes their comfort. That nobody in your life wants to say hi or love you anymore because your problem is a nuisance to them. That's the community that, is, that we're talking about in, in, in Luke chapter 17. It's a group of lepers that are a part of a community of outcastables. I think we've all felt like that before. Whether you're living that now or you felt that in a, another season, we are outcastables that there's moments in our life that we feel our problems supersede other people's comfort and they want nothing to do with us. Well, these men were on the outside of the city and 10 of them being lepers with a problem that was so visible to everybody else that they, they couldn't ignore it. They had to do something about it. It says these 10, being a part of a community, these 10 met with Jesus. We hear that and go, praise God. These were 10 men that didn't have Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, didn't have an email, didn't have a written letter. No, they were outcastables. Nobody communicated with them. So all they had to go off of was hearsay. They didn't have any credible miracle. They didn't have anything to define the revelation of who Jesus was. They just had hearsay of all the passerbyers that were going into the village that they were on the outside of. So when this man named Jesus comes by, they've heard. They've heard, oh, this could be the teacher. This could be the Messiah. This could be the one who did the feeding of the 5,000. This could be the one that healed the other leper in the other community. They didn't know who Jesus was, 
They knew Jesus could be. You know, I, I've looked at my life at times and I've realized that there's, there's opportunity for possibility. Right, what could be? And what could happen? And how in my life things could get better? Possibility. But oftentimes, personally, I err on the side of probability. I'm a numbers guy. I'm a systems guy. I'm a logic guy. I err on the side of probability. What does the system tell me about my life? What do my current or, or past mistakes tell me about where I should be and where I should end up? If I'm honest with you, I'm a, I'm a pastor's kid. I grew up in this thing. Statistics tell us that I shouldn't be preaching or pastoring. Because most pastor's kids, and y'all have heard it, and you may be one, but most pastor's kids, they say, are worse off than those that grew up in church because they rebel. Statistics tell me that. Statistics, not, not opinions. Statistics tell me that. Culture tells me in my own life, in my own brokenness, I'll just be honest with you, I've gone through relational mess-ups. Culture tells me that in my position as a pastor, I shouldn't be here to tell you about the goodness of God because culturally says I am unqualified to be where I am. See, there's so many variables in our life that should tell us that we shouldn't get to where God has called us to. But I'm tired of living off of probabilities because the reality is none of us should be here. The reality is some of us should be dead. The reality is we shouldn't have the hope that we look for. But I don't look at living at probabilities I'm starting to live my life based on the possibility. The possibility that a man named Jesus, I'm not quite sure what he can do or what he's fully capable of, but I do know I heard. I heard that he healed another leper, and I'm a leper. And that's what these men heard. They heard that Jesus, this man named Jesus, has a possibility to change my life in a way that nobody else did. When are you going to start stop living your life on the probability, on the statistics that tell you you're never going to make it, and start living your life off of the facts that the Word of God says, if I meet with Jesus, if I connect with Jesus, my life will never be the same. So many of us, so many of us choose to live our life based off of probabilities. I'm here to tell you, what if we were like these men and lived our life based on a possibility that Jesus can do something in your life other than in, in ways that nothing else could? These men met with Jesus. They met with, they met with Jesus. And, and let's just, let me tell you a little bit more about the law. If they, they were doing social distancing before we were doing social distancing. Because they were written as unclean, they couldn't come close to another person that was clean. They had to beg from a distance. They had to keep themselves away. So when the scripture tells me that they got close to Jesus, they were, broke, they were breaking cultural norms. They were breaking the law to go, no, there's a man named Jesus. I got I to gotta get next to him. And the, the Bible tells me that they met with Jesus. They didn't talk to Jesus. They didn't keep their distance from Jesus. They got up close to Jesus. I'm just going to be real. Can I be real? Y'all don't know me, but I'm going to be real because y'all deserve it. You're looking for change in your life. You're obviously in the program, whether the court sent you or it was your decision, anywhere in between. Everything you've done on your own hasn't worked. It hasn't worked and it won't work. But so many of us are trying to keep an arm's distance from a man named Jesus that might have an opportunity to change our life. Nothing else in your life has worked. Nothing else has worked. But you're still keeping yourself at an arm's distance from a man who could change your life. When are we going to cut the gap? When are we going to say enough's enough? 
and say, I'm tired of the person next to me, the person next to me on this side, the person in front of me. They have held me back for too long. I want to step into a place where I can meet with Jesus face to face, where I can just get alone with Jesus. Because it's when you get alone with Jesus that you move from being who you were to who you are. Because listen to this, these, these lepers, the way they made their living, they begged. They begged. All the passerbyers in their lives, they said, can you, give me a, can you give me change? Can you give me something? Can you give me food? Can you give me a handout? These men decided no longer to be beggars. They started to be believers. Because they took Jesus at what he could do. And they said, if I would just get in contact with a man that I've heard has done things in other people's lives that he could do in my life, let me just start to believe. And there's a moment in your life, men, that you've got to choose. You've got to make a decision. Men make decisions. They don't waver back and forth and make a decision. You've got to choose, as Joshua said, choose this day whom you will serve. For me and my household, we will serve the Lord. You've got to choose, will you be a beggar for the rest of your life? Being okay with the system and the structure that your rhythm of life has gotten you? Or will you choose to believe God for something else? Believe Jesus for something more? Believe that he can take you to places that you've never been before, but you've got to believe it. And so many of us live off of possibilities, or we live off of probabilities rather than possibilities. We live off of begging rather than believing. But the last thing is the thing that's most important to me. These 10 men, these 10 men met with Jesus. Met with Jesus. 10 men met with Jesus. And what does Jesus tell them? If you, if you keep reading right there, it says they met with Jesus and they they raised their voices and they stood at a distance and Jesus met, Jesus, master, have mercy on us. 14 says this, and when he saw them, he told them, go and show yourselves to the priests. Go and show yourselves. I, I'm just going to be honest. I don't, I don't like this part of the verse. Like personally for myself. Like I, I just told you, like Jesus can perform miracles. He's healed. He's delivered. He's, he's set free. Like, and these lepers that are bound by their disease set on the outside of town, get to Jesus. They break the law. They step up to Jesus and Jesus says, go and show yourself to the priest. Here's why I don't like it because this verse doesn't tell me they were healed right then. And I want to be the guy that's like, man, Jesus could, could heal them then. Like, can't he just, I can't, can't they just say a prayer? Can't he just say, and go and, and you're, you're healed. Go and, go and be healed. Go and, go and live your life in a new way. Can't he do that? He's done it before. And when I read this verse, I'm like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like it for myself. When I've got situations in my life that I need God to just remove, when I need God to uproot. And I'm like, God, 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 just, just remove it. And God's like, go. Go and show yourself, show yourself to the priest. The priest was in the city. If I walk in the city and I'm unclean, I can get put in prison. But I show myself to the priest. I've got to get from here to there. But here I'm not healed. And there you're saying that I'm, I'm going to be healed. But, but, but here, my life's still a mess. I'm still an outcast and I, and I don't feel like I belong there. But if I, if I could just get to, to, to here, then, then I, could, I could possibly be, be healed by believing what Jesus said. It, it was the fact that Jesus told them to go. And the next verse is where power comes in. It says, and while they were going, while they were going, they were healed. But I'm not healed here. If I just, I'm not sure if I'm going to be healed by then, but God told me to go. So I'm going to take a step. Not arrested yet. 
I'm not locked up. Okay, I'm going to take another step. Starting to have a little more faith that this journey could be, and I'm tired of being where I was because that community isn't what I want to live in anymore. So I just, maybe I'll take another step. And here's what the Bible doesn't say. It doesn't tell me that when they took the third step, they were healed. It doesn't tell me when they took their thousandth step, they were healed. It doesn't even tell me that all 10 were healed at the same time. It just tells me that while they were going, they were healed. And I got to believe that then in that story, it's so vague that there's, that of the 10, maybe, maybe my arms started to get cleared up of a skin disease and some others saw it and they started to have their faith built, though they were still unclean and they kept the journey going and somebody's face started to clear up that by the time they got to the priest, they were all healed. There's 10 of them that went from there, from here to there. And so many of us are waiting to be obedient with what God has said because he's waiting for your wholeness. And the reason why I don't like this story is because this, this talks about not a miracle in a moment, but the miracle of momentum that when I start to become obedient with Jesus, and I take his word as a daily walk and a daily journey. I may not be healed by I may not be healed by day one or week seven or week forty-two or even by week fifty-one in a program. But if I just started to, to stop looking at it as a program and stop looking at it as week to week and checking off boxes that I just hope that I finish, and we started to look at our life as an ongoing process, that in this process I gotta learn to trust Jesus. In this process, I gotta learn to submit to who he is. In this process, I've got to be obedient what if you stopped looking at your life as just so sad that you're in a program and started acknowledging that God has given you grace today to be a part of a process to learn to trust him a little bit more trust him a little bit more and trust him a little bit more because the Bible says that while they were going they were healed you will never be healed waiting for your miracle your life listen to me your life will never be rearranged if you're just sitting and waiting for it. These lepers were instructed to go. I'm instructing you. It's time for you to go. And what is go? You're like, where do I go? You take God's word and daily you're obedient. Because Jesus wanted to know, will you do the unordinary, the unthinkable, because I said it. Do you believe me at my word, at my authority? Not your word, not a pastor's word, but his word and his authority. Could you just be obedient for a season and watch the amount of change that could happen in your life? But I look at it and I go, man, they, they went through a large transition. But God ain't ever about transition. We, we look at our journey in life and we think about it through the lens of this American culture. And we're like, I just want to go from here to there, from here to to there. And once I get there, I got to find a better there. And then I got to go from here to there. And I just want to transition. The Bible is not about transition at all. The Bible is about transformation, transformation alone. And the Bible uses transformation in a different context. And it talks about it through the word of sanctification. We have immediate sanctification through salvation. And then we have a process of it. And it's an ongoing transformation that I need the Holy Spirit to guide me. That I need to trust Jesus' words faithfully. That I need to humble myself under the Father continuously. But when I stop looking at my life as just a transitional moment, just looking on the calendar to check dates off and start asking God, how can you transform me? Well, the Bible says in Romans 12 that we are not conformed the patterns of this world, but we are transformed by the renewing of our minds so that we would be able to test and approve what, good, what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
God wants to transform your life. These men went from probability to possibility. They went from begging to believing. They went from transition to transformation. And yet that's not the end of the story. Because though it says that as they went, they were healed, they were cleansed, 15 points out something else. It says, but one of them. One of them, seeing that he was healed, returned. And with a loud voice, gave glory to God. It says in 16, he fell face down at his feet, thanking him. And he was a Samaritan. I don't highlight that. There was, a, there was a community of people that statistics would tell us was way more than 10 of lepers on the outside of the city that heard about Jesus and did absolutely nothing. And then the Bible records that there was 10 of them that got together and said, I'm not going to believe the naysayers. I'm not going to believe those that are bound by probabilities. I'm not going to just live in this begging lifestyle. But there's a possibility that change could happen. And because there's a possibility that change could happen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something outside of my normal flow of life. And those 10 men got up from their community and walked towards Jesus. And he says that they raised their voice. Jesus, have mercy on me. And they got Jesus' attention. And they walked and they were obedient. And they went through the process or the program. But the moment, the moment one of them saw that he was healed, he knew that it wasn't a program that healed him. He knew that it wasn't the dirt on the ground. He knew that it wasn't the, the sun in the sky. He knew that it wasn't the water that he drank. He knew the only reason why he was healed, the only reason why his life had options now, the only reason why his family could come back to him was because a man named Jesus, a man named Jesus stopped in the side of the road and gave him new instructions. If I could just get 10 men, 100 men, 5 men to be like this man that said, Jesus, Jesus have mercy on me. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. God, I need you. I need salvation. What would happen in this tent if just 10 of you would stand up and start declaring what you need Jesus to do in your life? What would happen if just five of you would stand up right now and forget and forsake those people around you? Listen to me. I mean, this, this one is the highlight and he came from a group of 10 that stepped out of a community of 100. Which community do you want to be a part of? Which community do you want to be a part of? The people that are sitting in a community outside of town in a program and in a cycle says, yeah, I'm cool. I ain't got no problem. Let me just tell you what it is. You got a problem. I know you can be mad at me all you want, but you got to acknowledge you got a problem. You are where you are. I'm not telling you what your problem is, but you got a problem. And these men were sitting in a community of people that were comfortable with their problem. And I have seen men cycle through Teen Challenge because they're comfortable with their problem. They're okay in the program. 
they've checked off boxes, but they've never met Jesus. But then there were 10 that decided to say, I got to meet Jesus. I don't care what the hundreds say. I don't care what the fives say. I got to meet Jesus. Who in this house today, who under this tent will be bold enough to stand up and start declaring to God, I don't need you to yell to me. I need you to talk to Jesus. I need you to talk to Jesus. What does Jesus want? What do you want Jesus to do for your life? Now, here's how I'm going to close. I'm, not at, I'm going to ask you to stand right where you are. If you didn't stand, cool. I ain't come for you. Listen to me. You didn't stand for me. I don't need you. I know who I am in Christ. I don't need you to stand. I don't need you to applause. You stood because you're tired of the life that you were living. You're tired of recognizing that it was on your own strength or your own ability, and you missed Jesus. Here's what I need you to close as the worship team comes on up. Come on up. As the worship team comes up, I'm not praying over you. I'm not coming to you. We're not sending a staff to you. This is your moment to meet with Jesus. Because the highlight of the verse is those 10 men met with Jesus. What do you want Jesus to do in your, in your life? And are you sick and tired enough to be bold about it? Because I'm tired. We are where we are in the world that we are today because men won't be bold about their faith. I don't need to coerce you to be loud about Jesus because you'll go home and not be loud about him. But you need to be loud about Jesus so that you can go home, so that you can be restored, so that you can be renewed, so that your life will never be the same, that this is a never coming back moment. But it starts when you meet Jesus. So as the worship team plays, gets ready to sing, I'm gonna pray and I need you to shout because those men raised their voice and they said, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, renew me. Jesus, restore me. So across this place, just start talking to Jesus. Just start talking to Jesus. God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are, God. God, you are an awesome God that you sent your son to renew and restore our life, God. That in this moment right now, God, this is a never going back moment, God. We may not be lepers, God. God, but we've got problems in our life and we need you to rearrange. We need you to restore, and I don't need an external restoration, God. We need it. We need a restoration of our mind, a restoration of our heart, a restoration of our spirit. As Ezekiel 36 says, that you would take the heart of stone and you would put the heart of flesh inside of it, God. God, we thank you for who you are. God, I pray across this place that you would renew, restore, re-envision, God, re-motivate, re-encourage, God, the life that you have past this moment. You haven't called these men to forever be a part of a program. You've called them to allow the program to start a process of trusting you God and as we trust you God things change thank you for what you're doing in this place in Jesus name once again thank you for choosing our podcast today we hope that you're comforted encouraged and strengthened in the Lord today because of it don't forget to subscribe though it's easy just go to wherever you're listening right now and click subscribe God bless you today